0: Thank you, God, for your protection. We thank you, God, for yeah, how you work miracles in our lives. And, and God, we just again open our hearts to you. God, we ask uh, your Holy Spirit to speak. Uh, God, pray for your work in our hearts as we as continue looking at this passage in John 14. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we have been. Uh, working through a series called The Upper Room, and we're looking at the uh, 24 hours before Jesus uh, ends up being crucified, and he uh, is gathered in a room with his disciples, and they have one last meal together, and uh, Jesus, during this last meal, begins to teach, and uh, as we've said so far, you can imagine if, if you only had... 24 hours left to live, and you gathered your closest friends together, that your words would be very powerful. Uh, Your words would be very meaningful. And these are the last words, the last teachings of Jesus before he is crucified. And so we have been joining with the disciples in this upper room, and just coming with open hearts to to hear what the Holy Spirit has to, to say to us through the teachings of Jesus. And if you were here last week, we focused in... On John 14 verse 2 which says Jesus says my father's house has many rooms and we saw that this is not primarily talking about heaven but this is primarily talking about a reality here and now the idea of my father's house in that day always meant the temple and the temple is where you went and met with God now Jesus called his own body the temple and of course we know the church is the temple of God and in my father's house is, is us in New Testament reality, that we are our father's house. And in my father's house, there are many rooms or many dwelling places or mansions, as it says. And again, this is not talking about something uh, in the future up in heaven. For John 14, same, same Greek word, the only two times in the entire Bible they're used, they're used in the same passage. It says, we will come to them and make our home with them. This is... Jesus and God the Father and the Holy Spirit actually coming down to make our home with us because we are the, are the Father's house. We are the temple. Uh, God dwells within our midst. He dwells in our lives. And, and we talk about this, reality should should radically change us. Uh, we use this image of, of a throne where uh, the Bible talks about how Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. And we talked about how the Bible says that that we are seated next to Christ, and that this is the reality that we live in, that we are in Jesus, and Jesus is in the Father, and and we are never far from God. He is far closer than you realize. In fact, the Holy Spirit, as we're going to see later on through this passage, is, is in us. And because it talks about Jesus being seated next to the Father, and we're seated with Christ, as we talked about last week, God is always inviting into this place of rest. Because when you're seated, you're, you're in a position of rest. As Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and come into my rest. But often we kind of live our life where we're, we get out of that position and we start freaking out and like God, don't you realize what's going on? And, and my life is falling apart. And, and God, the Father, is just saying, just, just come back to this place. Come back to this place of rest. I, I've got this. I'm big enough. I'm with you. I dwell within within you. And so uh, he is inviting us to this place. And even in trouble, uh, the Bible says that we need to be in this place, realizing that we're in Jesus, and Jesus is in the Father, and the Holy Spirit is in us. And this is a challenge to learn to walk through life just being at rest. In a place where you don't have to control everything around you, where you don't have to force things to happen, where you just live this life out of rest, realizing that you are in Jesus and Jesus is in the Father and the Holy Spirit is in you. And this is the challenge. is just continually uh, challenging ourselves to move into this place that he has brought us to. And so picking it up where we left off in John 14, Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Again, Jesus is talking about going away. He's going to the Father, and then they're going to come back to dwell within us. But Jesus answered and said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus here says, I am the way. And of course, one of the questions is the way to what? Like the way to Tim Hortons, you know, (laughs) the uh, way to, you know... The way to Jesse's house, like the way to what? The question is, like, where is he the way to? And we know, he talks about coming to the Father. He is the way to the Father. Uh, Jesus is the way to the Father. We're going to focus in on that today. Uh, Jesus is also the truth. Uh, and, and we are increasingly living in a day where it's harder and harder to to figure out what the truth is. I mean, you ever try to figure out what, you know something medically or is this work you go on you find you know reports pointing this way and then there's other reports saying the opposite and you try to find your opinion on this and there's all these opinions out there and there's all these religions out there that say they are true and I mean I mean it is really hard to figure out what's true these days. But Jesus says, I am the truth. And uh, I tell you there's a whole bunch of messages right in that point but, but, but one of the questions is like how do we know that Jesus is the truth? Uh, And and there's lots of ways we could answer that, but one way is the concept of love, because we've been talking about that through John 13, that we know that, if you will, that love is at the heartbeat of the world, Uh, that, that everything we want in life has to do with love. I mean, we want to be in relationship with people, in a love relationship. We want a love relationship with God. We write songs like crazy on the radio and you know, on the internet, YouTube. They're about love and stories about love and movies about love. I mean, love, as the old saying goes, is what makes the world go around. I mean, our deepest pains are when love is broken and our deepest feelings of happiness are when love is, is a strong reality. I mean, love is such a powerful thing. It is one of those absolute essentials in our life and so if there is a God out there then that God better be about love Uh, that God better be the king of love uh, because that's just how we're wired And, and and this is what we find in Jesus that Jesus is at the heart of love in fact I like what dr. Greg Mitchell says he says love is a perfect way to evaluate deities if gods are distant singular Or simply a force, they lack the warmth of love. They can't teach us something they aren't. If they are self-serving, brutal, mute, or non-sacrificial, they too are disqualified. If they demand payment for blessing, move on. Why trust someone like that? It doesn't matter what we grew up believing or what is convenient to believe. Have courage to find a God that captures the fullness of love. And here's the shocking truth. The benchmark of love narrows down the field to just one, Jesus Christ. Uh, he is the truth. And, and if you're like, what is true? What can I turn to? What can I trust? You can trust Jesus. Uh, he is love embodied. And then he says he is the life. And he is full of life. And I don't know about you, but, you know, often it is fine. Like, I just I just need more life. I mean, there's so many things in this world that drain us of life. I mean, work can drain us of life. Relationships can drain us of life. I mean, financial situations and health situations can drain us of life. I mean, we we are looking for the source of life, and yet Jesus is full of life. In John chapter 1, it says that in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. I mean, there's enough life in Jesus to easily satisfy the whole world. There's enough life in Jesus to satisfy you. And he talks about this in John 6 that Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. That there's something about Jesus that just satisfies because he is full of life. And we need life. And and if you're here today and you're like, I'm just feeling empty of life. I I just need life. Then look to Jesus. Jesus has incredible life, and not only that, uh, he brings us to the Father, and, uh, and that's what we're going to talk about now, because it talks yeah. about here, Jesus being the way. The way to what? Well, it says right here, he's the way to the Father. No one comes to the Father except through him. That Jesus came, and one of the, the big reasons Jesus came was actually to bring us to the Father. In fact, we are, as the Bible says, to have a relationship not only with Jesus, but also with the Father. In 1 John chapter 1, it says, Our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, do you have a relationship with the Father? Do you know the Father? Uh, do you give and receive love with the Father? Or are you just just about Jesus? Now, Jesus is good. Jesus is God. Uh, But Jesus brings us to the Father. I mean, we are not just to relate to Jesus, though relating to Jesus is awesome and wonderful and good. We are also to be relating to the Father. Just as we have fellowship with Jesus, we are to have fellowship with the Father. It was uh, Derek Prince. Some of you know him. He said this. This verse speaks about a pathway and a destination. Jesus is the way the Father is the destination. The problem with much of the church today is that we have become stuck on the way. In other words, sometimes we end up uh, making Christianity all about Jesus, which sounds really good, it should be all about Jesus, but there's also two other people, (laughs) persons within the Trinity. Uh, We can look at Christianity like a a three-legged stool, if you will, that our value and worth and identity is founded on God, but we know God is a triune God, and I think maybe next week we're going to talk about the Trinity, but Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And sometimes we can make our Christianity just like a one-legged stool. It's just about Jesus. You know, the Father, he's kind of, I don't know about the Father, he's kind of out there somewhere, and maybe he's kind of mean because I read the Old Testament, and I don't know about the Father, Uh, but Jesus I'm okay with, so I'll just make it about Jesus. Uh, Some people will add in the Holy Spirit, if maybe you in the charismatic renewal of this last hundred years. I mean, it's been great. It's been brought awareness of the Holy Spirit to the church. And and so some Christians have a two-legged stool. They, they, They relate to the Holy Spirit and relate to Jesus. But we're also to be relating to the Father. That just as we are filled with the Holy Spirit and relate to Jesus, we are to have an intimate relationship with the Father. Jesus brings us to the Father. He came to bring us to the Father. Do you know the Father? have a relationship with the Father? Are you talking to the Father? Are you giving and receiving love with the Father? Uh, Jesus made a big deal about the Father, and we should too. In fact, Jesus said in John 4, a time is coming and uh, and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And it talks about Jesus is looking for true worshipers. And true worshipers, because this is what Jesus came to do, is to bring us to the Father. And so uh, we worship the Father. Uh, we love the Father. We have a relationship with the Father. Over and over again, Jesus talked to us about the reality that we have a Father. And by the way, God the Father has, you know, feminine qualities as well. I mean, uh, we see in the very beginning, God created male and female, in his image. Uh, God the Father is not a person walking around. God the Father is spirit. He doesn't have a human body the way Jesus does. uh, But but, uh, he's called our Father. This is how Jesus reveals him to us. Over 20 times in the New Testament, it reminds us that we have a Father. That you have a Father in in heaven. As Jesus says in Matthew 5, Be children of your Father in heaven? Or how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Uh, Jesus also taught that our main conversation with God is actually to be directed at the Father. There's nothing wrong with praying to Jesus. You can pray to Jesus. You can pray to the Holy Spirit. There's examples of that in the scripture. But the main force of the the testimony and, 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 and clearly what Jesus taught is that our main conversation with God is actually to be to the Father. Again, Jesus comes to bring us to the Father. Jesus made a big deal about the Father. We are to, Jesus says, we're to pray to the Father. That when we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, but it's directed at the Father. Look what Jesus said. In Luke, this is where the disciples are like, Jesus, you're an incredible prayer. Can you teach us how to pray? In Matthew's version, it says, this then is how you should pray. And Jesus begins with our Father. You know, not some distant God way out there that I don't really know. Our Father is actually a word of intimacy, a word of relationship, because they have come to dwell within us, the temple of God. Or John 16, it says, uh, this is Jesus speaking. You won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly. And he will grant your request because you use my name. That we can directly go to the Father because of the work of Jesus. We can talk to him. Now, we don't just talk to Jesus. We don't just talk to the Holy Spirit. But we talk to the Father. And our prayers are directed at the Father. And um, and so this is what Jesus teaches. In fact, he goes on. It says, ask in my name. And this is why we say, in Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) It comes from this verse. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf. So we don't go to Jesus and say, Jesus, could you talk to your Father and tell him I need (laughs) lunch today? Jesus is like, you're at complete peace with the Father. The Father loves you. You go ask him. For the Father himself loves you dearly. You know, sometimes, you know, maybe if you grew up in a family where, you know, maybe your mom or your dad, you know, were just... Not as nice as the other parents. And sometimes you, you, know, you go to mom and say, Hey mom, could you ask dad? you know, Am I going on a date tonight? Or something like that. Or dad, could you ask mom? Because you're kind of scared of mom or you're scared of dad. You have to ask through somebody. Uh, and some people picture the father this way. That somehow, you know, the father is really scary. And somehow I say, Jesus, can you go talk to the father? Because I need something. Jesus says, you just, you just go ask him yourself. Why? Because... The Father loves you. And the Father is at peace with you. And the Father is good. And Jesus took away every single barrier there is between us and the Father. And so we come to the Father. We worship the Father. We speak to the Father. Now, for some people, they tend to say, you know, I'm okay with Jesus because I have a hard time with the Father. And, and really, it comes down to the name Father. Uh, because we don't always grow up in families that are perfect. Uh, some of you maybe have grown up in families where your father was distant, or your father was non-existent, or your father was angry, or your father abused you. And so there's this thing in you when you talk, as soon as you think about God the Father, you have this image of your father, and you just you just have a hard time connecting with the Father. So I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just go to Jesus. I'll just make my life about Jesus. But if you make your life all about Jesus and not the Holy Spirit and the Father, you're missing out because the Bible says you are to have fellowship with the Father and with Jesus. And uh, if you've grown up in a family where your father kind of taints your view of of God the Father, uh, one thing that can be helpful is to get to a place where you're actually able to forgive your father. And it's important that we, as followers of Jesus, are willing to forgive even those who hurt us greatly And if you're struggling to forgive your dad for whatever he has done, I encourage you to just go over to the prayer team. You can talk to me, but we can help you work through that. Uh, Because there just seems to be this thing that if you can't forgive your earthly father, that for some reason there always seems to be a block for people when they relate to their heavenly father. But also, to have the correct view of the father, we need to understand that our heavenly father is not like our earthly fathers. For our Heavenly Father, it is perfect. And He is good. In fact, if there's any, ever any doubt about the character and heart of the Father, then this is why we go look at Jesus. Uh, the Bible tells us that Jesus reveals to us the character and heart of the Father. In fact, our passage in John goes right on, right after Jesus says, No one comes to the Father ex- except through me. He says this. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. In other words, to know Jesus is to know the Father. To know the heart and character of Jesus is to know the heart and character of the Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? Uh, in other words, Jesus is saying, to look at me is to know the Father. Uh, I mean, if you know the idea of the Trinity, uh, there's one God revealed in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that, that, that Jesus and the Father aren't like separate gods. I mean, Jesus is God, the Father is God, and they have the exact same character and nature. And Jesus in John 18 Jesus said, if you knew me, you would know my Father also. Our John chapter 1, the unique one, that's Jesus, who is himself God because Jesus is God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. He has revealed the heart of God to us. To know Jesus, to know the heart and the character and the words of Jesus, is to know God the Father because they have the exact same heart, the exact same character. Or as Hebrews 1.3 said, it says the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Uh, that we can't say, well, you know, Jesus is kind of the nice guy and the Father is kind of the mean guy. You know, Jesus is loving, but the Father has got this nasty side. I mean, that doesn't work. They're exactly the same in character, exactly the same in terms of heart. He goes on in, in, in John it says, the words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. In other words, every word that Jesus spoke had its origin in the Father. Every action that Jesus did, every miracle that Jesus did, had its origin in the Father. And so when you see Jesus approaching the woman at the well... A Samaritan woman who was hated by Jews, and he approaches her and uh, realizes that she had been married not once, not twice, not three times, not four times, but five times, and now she's living with some other person. Jesus comes up to her and says, "You know, you know, I realize that you're thirsty." And I've come to bring you living water. I am the one who's going to satisfy your thirst. This is the one to whom Jesus said, my father, are, they're looking for worshipers who will worship the father in spirit and truth. I mean, those words that showed love to the Samaritan woman's those, those had its origin in the father. That was the father's work, loving this Samaritan. Or when Jesus uh, comes up to the, the man who had leprosy, uh, no one uh, would touch this person. This person hadn't felt touched probably in years since he contracted this G- disease. And Jesus goes up and he touches this leper. And he heals this leper. Those are the actions of the Father. That's the heart of the Father. Every single time someone came to Jesus, every single time someone asked Jesus for healing or uh, the Father directed Jesus, Jesus always healed. Not once did Jesus look at someone and say, you know, my will is for you to be sick for the rest of your life. That That, that is the Father's heart that Jesus is revealing through healing people. we can look at that woman caught in adultery. As the men come around and want to stone this woman, who knows where the man went, but they want to stone this woman because she's caught in the very act, it says, of adultery. And Jesus stoops down and uh, writes in the sand and they all go away and he says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now notice the order. He says, I don't condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. But that's the action of the Father. Because Jesus said over and over again, I only do what the Father does. The words I speak come from the Father. Uh, That is the character and heart of the Father. It is seen in Jesus that everything that Jesus said, everything that Jesus did, is a revelation of who the Father is. And if you can trust Jesus... And if you can draw close to Jesus and you can love Jesus and talk to Jesus, then you can do the exact same thing with the Father because they have the same heart and the same character. In John 12, Jesus said, Whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. So when Jesus is hanging on the cross and his enemies are crucifying him, when Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That came from the Father's heart. I mean, that's the heart of the Father. So much love, so much desire to forgive, so much desire to bless, that every word Jesus said had its origin in the Father, and every action, again, John 5, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do, only, or he can do only what he sees the Father is doing. And so if there's any reluctance in your heart, to draw near to the Father, and you're okay with drawing near to Jesus, then somehow there's a break in there, theologically, that needs to be fixed. And even more important than perhaps the theology, is is, is this experience of giving and receiving love with the Father. To help us understand who the Father is better, uh, let's look at a couple things. First of all, the Father is perfect love. The Bible says God is love. In other words, it doesn't say that God is loving, that God is, that his very nature is is love. In other words, God, it's impossible for God to not be loving. Uh, God is not like 99% love and 1%, you know, something else. He is 100% love. He is, his very nature is love. And in case you want to try to redefine love to make God out to be something he's not, well, we know what love is. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. The love is always other-centered, self-sacrificial, and this is whom God is. This is who the Father is. Now when we understand that, and we understand the love of the Father, we understand, like what we talked about this last week, where it says there is no fear in love. A perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. In other words, if there is any kind of fear of the father, you know, I don't know if I want to get close, you know, maybe he's going to send me to Iceland or something like that, some sort of fear, uh, you haven't been perfected in love. Uh, There is to be no fear in this perfect love that comes from God. Uh, there is to be no fear in love, that we should not be afraid of coming through Jesus to the Father and having this relationship where we give and receive love because he is perfect love. I mean, the more loving someone is, isn't it true, the more safe you feel? And the more loving someone is, the more vulnerable you can be. You can can tell that person all kinds of junk in your life and you know you're not going to be condemned because you know that person is loving. Uh, the Father is infinitely loving than anybody you've ever met. <laughs> uh, I mean, again, uh, the Father is safe. Uh, the Father, uh, you can come to the Father. He is absolute perfect love. In fact, uh, Augustine said this. If the written word of the Bible could be changed into a single word and become a single voice, the voice more powerful than the roaring of the sea would cry out, the Father loves you you. Uh, And you're to be relating to him in in, in fellowship. uh, The father loves you and it's a perfect love. And so when you understand that perfect love, it removes this fear and you realize that all your hope and your life and your satisfaction and your worth and your value is found in him. And so whenever things are going well, you go to the father. When things aren't going well, you go to the father. When you need life, you go to the father because you know that's where life is found. So we run to he is perfect love and he is only good. Psalm 37, 1 says, God is good. Uh, Jesus said, your, your, You fathers, like earth, us earthly fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. And Jesus said, He goes on to say, How much more will the Father give you? The Holy Spirit, too, who asks. He, he is a good. Uh, James 1 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of the heavenly light. Everything good in this world, everything good in your life is a gift from the Father. It's to reveal the goodness of God. And this is why we're to be thankful. So when we see those good things in our life, it just reminds us that God, that's you. That reveals your character, that reveals your heart. You are good, he is good. And again, he's inviting you to come into his presence he has created you as a temple where he can dwell in you. We're to live intimately with him. And the Father is at peace with you. In Romans 5.3, it says, We have been made right in God's sight by faith. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. We talked about this last week, that the reality that we are seated with Christ and Christ is seated with the Father, like this is a place of undeserved privilege. I don't deserve it, but, but we're here because of Jesus. And Jesus is in the Father. And, and the Father, it says here that we're actually right in the Father's sight. It says here that we have peace with God. Do you know when the Father looks at you and Jesus, He is, he just has eyes of peace when he looks at you. Not eyes of you know I'm gonna get you and how dared you do that, you know, I'm gonna beat you up, and he's got these eyes of peace because of Jesus. And sometimes it's important because a lot of people, when they when they see themselves in this position, are a little nervous of the father that somehow he's got these angry eyes, you know, you know, he's gonna get you, but he's got eyes of peace. Again, I don't deserve that because I mess up. And you mess up. But it's not about my goodness, it's about the goodness of Jesus. Right. That we are actually the, the word there is the word justified. And that word, if you play it out, is just as if I never sinned. That I have the righteousness of Christ. And so he invites me into his temple where I can connect with him and I'm seated with him. And this is the place where we dwell because this is what Jesus has done for us. He loves you. He's at peace with you. He is good through Jesus. Now, Hebrews 4 says this. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. I mean, the Bible says we can actually boldly come to the throne of grace. And again, sometimes we might feel like, you know, I'm just so unworthy, and I don't know if I can come, maybe I'll just stop here. And maybe if I worship a whole bunch, maybe I can take a step further towards the throne. Maybe if I worship again, I just read my Bible for the whole week and be really, really good. Maybe I can come a little closer to the throne. and Maybe I get lots of money away to the church and to the poor. Maybe I, can, maybe I can be close. The Father is just saying, just come. Yes. Yes. Just, just come boldly to the throne. Yes. And notice it says, uh, we come when we need grace and mercy. When do we need grace and mercy? I and mean, we need it every day, but we need it most when we've really screwed up. I mean, but even when we really screw up, God is saying, Come, come boldly to the throne. Because the reality is, this is where help is. So it doesn't help us all to stay away and to cower because then we're just with ourselves and, and things get worse. I mean, this is where life and healing and refreshment and strength and blessing is found. And the Father says, Come. My work through my son Jesus is good enough. Come into my presence and come boldly and we don't come because I'm some super Christian I can come we come because uh, Jesus is so good he's so good James Jordan says it this way the whole point of Christianity is the love of the father and the cross removes everything that comes between us and that love so we can cl- uh, com- uh, we can come boldly to the throne of grace and climb right onto his knee to know him as our father let me read that again The whole point of Christianity is the love of the Father. And the cross removes everything that comes between us and that love so that we can come boldly to the throne of grace and climb right onto his knee to know him as our Father. I mean, do you know God as Father? And you can often tell when someone knows this or not. I mean, when you know, when you meet someone whose identity is here in their identity in the love and the goodness of God, I mean, you can tell between that and someone who just kind of sees their life over there. Because when someone lives out of this, there's just this humility about that person. There's uh, something about this person. You can talk to them about anything and they hear you and they listen. They're not overly controlling. Uh, they don't try to force the situation. They don't try to come across, look how mighty and powerful I am. Look at my gifts. I mean, I mean, they're just secure in the father. It's when we get out of here that we get insecure. We've got to control things and get angry and bitter and freak out. And again, he just says, come, just come to my throne, come into my presence. You are the temple, and we come to live in that temple, and that is where we dwell. Jesus told a story that reflects the heart of the Father. In Luke 15, Jesus told them, A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide the wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and earth, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to the father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. And it says he was filled with love and compassion. And he ran to his son embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servant, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. This is the heart of the Father. This is the, the character of the Father. And he is inviting us into fellowship with him and with the Son and with His Holy Spirit. I mean, do you know the Father? That you have a beloved relationship with the Father. In fact, there's interesting pictures of the Fathers in our last verse. Zephaniah three, it says, "For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take a delight in you with gladness. With His love, He will calm all your fears. He will rejoice. Or some translations say, dancing. He will rejoice or dance over you with joyful songs." I what kind of father is this? <laughs> that would dance and rejoice over us, and, and we mess up. He's just like, hey, come into my presence. Let's throw a party. I mean, this is the love of the father, and this is the father we are to relate to. I'm just going to invite Daniel, Daniel up here for a second. Just for our reflection uh, today, we're just going to uh, spend a moment in uh, reflection over this. And uh, you're welcome to close your eyes if you want to. You're welcome just to hold out your hands. Sometimes it can be helpful to be in a position of receiving Father, we ask that you would just teach us afresh who you are. God, we wanna know your love. <clears throat> we wanna know your presence. We wanna know your goodness. As we realize that love transforms. Love motivates us unlike anything else. And God, we wanna know your love. So, Father, we ask you, is there any lie I'm believing about you, Father, that is keeping me from a deeper relationship with you? Is there any lie I'm believing about your character or who you are that is keeping me from just surrendering my whole life to you? Is there any lie I'm believing that is keeping me from receiving the fullness of your love? God, would you reveal that lie in this time? when did this lie begin? Was it a circumstance in my life or is it something I've been taught? When did this lie begin? <coughs> Father, when that lie began, we thank you for your love, we thank you for your presence, and Father we just (coughs) repent of that lie, we just hand that back to you, we don't want it anymore, we want to be close, we don't want anything in our life that keeps us from you, so we hand it over to you, just take a moment in your own words to repent of that lie. Father, what truth do you want to give me in replace of that lie? What truth do you want me to know? work of your Son, Jesus. We thank you that Jesus took away every obstacle that there is between us and you. God, I thank you that you invite us to boldly come and sit with you. And we thank you that you look at us with eyes of peace. We are justified, we are forgiven, and we are right in your sight. And we thank you for your love which washes over. And God, may your love just continue to transform us and renew us and shape us. And we thank you in Jesus' name.